1: Co-worker of yours.
2: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. All right, we
3: are, uh, we are more than loaded up for this hour, so I want to get right into it. We have Sue's News coming up, of course, in just a few minutes. Uh, Brad Young's going to weigh in on this hearing that's still going on in Atlanta with Fonnie Willis and the disqualification attempt by Trump's attorneys, and it's been fiery. There's no doubt about it. They've been talking about her finances, etc., trying to link you know, things together and also establish that her relationship with Nathan Wade, who she hired to work on some of these things, uh, occurred far before they have publicly admitted. So we're going to get into that. We have Jerry Baker from The Wall Street Journal this afternoon as well. But I wanted to, Sue, play some of the audio. This was um, I keep looking for more information, eyewitness accounts, et cetera, from Kansas City and what happened yesterday. And this is probably the best so far. This was on CBS this morning and it was a guy who was right next to the shooter.
4: I haven't even begun to process this morning. Um, it's, just, it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. I'm, you know, we're all still in shock right now,
5: Mr. Gooch. Where were you all? Did you see the shooter? Did you see
6: what exactly happened?
4: I personally did not see the shooter. I heard the altercation of the girl who, some a girl who said like. Don't do it. Not here. This is stupid, or something like that. Oh wow!
3: Where were you and your your 13 year old hit?
4: My wife and daughter saw the gun come out and start shooting. They they said wow. they saw it. Uh, she my daughter said that uh, some lady was like holding them back, and people had started backing up, and then he pulled it out and just started shooting and spinning in a circle. My son got shot. And my wife got shot. She got shot in her calf. Wow. Uh, it went straight through. So she's she's fine. My son is left with a bullet in his foot. And I got shot directly in the ankle and broke a couple metatarsal bones in the foot. Oh, my goodness.
3: I mean, Wait a minute. You go back to how many shots were fired. You can kind of see how people were taking fire from all directions, right? So
5: it was kids, or, or, or they say two of these people were juveniles in a fight— some woman says, no, don't do it here. And the kid pulls out a gun and does it, shoots anyway. But he, this guy said he was turning in a circle. Sur- yeah, so like he was shooting randomly. Yeah.
3: All right, a little bit more, though. Oh. He's got a little bit more because he said he was a little suspicious.
4: About 15 minutes before it actually did happen. I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I got suspicious of a certain group of people that were there. We were standing on the side that we were standing on, that where the, the left side of the stage where the shooting ended up happening. And right before it ended up happening, there was this group dressed in all black, about four, five, six kids, looked like kids, with black on, black masks. And they disappeared into the crowd, and then the show ended. And as soon as we started walking out, it happened.
3: So that's what we have. Mm. That guy, Mr. Gooch, was the... uh you know, one one of the eyewitnesses because it happened right where he was. There are still Gosh. several people that are in the hospital. I'm so glad that no one else has passed away. The one person who was confirmed dead was a disc jockey yeah. from Kansas City, I heard as well. So that's the very latest. I still think a lot of questions. Fred, I'm a little surprised that they didn't have, I mean, to our knowledge, and Alex Gold, who was with us in the last hour from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, they have not had another news conference or anything today. They haven't charged anyone. So there's still a lot of questions that are lingering.
0: I keep hearing back on the uh, news channels that we listen to from New York that it's any minute now they're going to have the news conference. I don't know if it's been, you know— Covered over because of all of the Fani Oh,
3: I see. Coverage. Well, that could be. So, in other words, there could be a news conference that could be even occurring this afternoon right. that we might not have total access to in a feed because, yeah, the networks are all-in on the Fonnie Willis situation, but we're going to keep you posted on that for sure. Another reminder that we are tomorrow doing our first Fish Fry Friday, which is at Incarnate Word in Chesterfield. We've picked the second one. Uh, we're back in Cottleville a week from Friday. So oh, for nice! People that are out there in St. Charles County. But The Fish Fry, just to be clear, by the way, the food doesn't start getting served until 4 o'clock. It's 4 to 7 at oh. Incarnate Word, but we'll be there doing the roundtable, and you can kind of come and you know take a peek if you'd like. If you'd like to meet the team, Fred's going to be there. Abby, Sue, Jane, uh, four state senators Jeff Smith and John Lamping on the panel tomorrow on the roundtable panel. And George Gray from The Yay! Price is Right is in town. It worked out fantastically, Fred, didn't it? Because George yeah, good. was there last year at St. Stephen's when we kicked off and we're going to do a live Price is Wrong <laughs> in, the, uh, in the parish tomorrow. Sue's. Who's? You're not going to be. or no, Fred. You Fred, have to cut Fred out. has to leave early. You have what to time? cut out tomorrow. Jane, so Jane, Jane will be on the panel. Over for me. That's right. I was thinking Sue had to leave, but no, it's Mm-mm. Fred that has to leave. All right, let's do this because we are um, loaded up for the rest of the hour. So we got to get to this. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the
7: president have any comment?
6: We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no.
7: And now Sue's news. Sponsored by Mr. Appliance. Speedy expert service. Mr. Appliance.com. What
5: time do you have to leave tomorrow, Fred? I'll leave at 5. Okay.
0: All
3: right. I'll,
2: I'll, make, sure George food? Gets
0: my, I'll make sure George gets my parking spot.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: okay. Well, yeah, he needs VIP good. for yeah. sure. Uh, it is National Gumdrop Day, to which I say ew. Yeah. I do not love those things. I just. Is the gummy bear an outcome of that? I mean, gumdrops are hard, as I remember. And then the gummy bears are so soft and much better. I don't know whether they
3: improved. upon. Have you ever eaten a gumdrop, Abby?
5: I have.
1: Yeah. I hate the way it gets stuck in yeah, your
5: teeth. Yeah, it's terrible. Well, well, hang
3: on here. Let's see if we can clarify the definition <laughs> of uh, gumdrop and well, how it might identify. Is a gumdrop, <laughs> like, is is a dot? Is that a gumdrop? Yeah,
5: well, those are
3: licorice versions, but okay. I believe oh. so. Because I like a dot now and again. The
5: gumdrop, they roll and sugar, and it comes in different colors. Oh, you I like gumdrops. Of course you do. What's your issue with gumdrops? Ah, no, those ah. are good. Ugh, you can have all mine. And on this day in
3: history... <laughs> Fred, where are you on gumdrops? Oh, I'm against them. Really? Yes. Oh, you take a stand you against them, too? Anti-gumdrops. Yeah. Uh-huh. By the way, uh, why are they called gumdrops? Resin from dry sap of plants. And I rest um, my case. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> from late Latin gumma, all these definitions. Uh-huh. Anyway, I like them. I'm taking okay, a stand. There good, go. you can have them all. On this day in history,
5: 260 years ago, in 1764, our own great city of St. Louis was established. We are 260 years old today. Look at that. Isn't that great? And uh, one ho- I haven't heard anything about that. Have you?
1: No, I haven't
5: either. And I saw it on the, the feed today, and I thought, well, that's great. And then I heard nothing about it locally. Okay. Yeah. 121 years ago today in 1903, the first teddy bear went on sale. The teddy bear is 121 years old today. Can I weigh in
3: on something related to teddy bears a yes. couple of weeks ago? And I blame Hannah Gibbs for this because Hannah, who used to work with Annie, just let me connect the dots, she got stolen away by our sister station, mm-hmm. Y98. She does mornings. Well, Hannah had been helping my family out quite a bit, helping with uh, Alexa, tennis lessons, other things, and she's just gotten too busy. But a week ago, uh, we went, Alexa and I went out to uh, the mall because she had swimming. Actually, this was last Saturday. She had swimming and she She wanted to do a little shopping. So dad, because mom was busy down at Soulard doing some stuff with Mardi Gras, I go to the mall. And on a Saturday afternoon, like a complete idiot, Mm -hmm. I go in to build a bear. Oh, my. And I sent Hannah a picture. I took a picture. I said, this used to be your job. Thankfully, we were not building a bear that day. We were just doing some accessories for the bear. But, oh, my God, is that whole thing a racket? God Whoa. bless Build-A-Bear. It, I, yes. I, I mean, I'm not criticizing. I wish I was the person that yes. came up with I this know, whole yes. thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sure it was packed. Would you just go look and not no, build?
5: You know, I don't it, know because the... you can get,
3: see, this is why it's oh. a racket. Because oh, okay. you can have your bear. She's got a bear she named oh. it Parker right now. But you can put different clothing on it. You can yes. get Valentine's see. clothing. You could have gotten some Chief's clothing. Smart, stuff smart. like that. I had no idea because I, I might have been to Build-A-Bear one time, have a... <laughs> Kind of a standard uh, practice. Don't go to build a bear, especially on a Saturday afternoon. Get someone else to do that. But I love my daughter. I got dragged Andrew, in. And you're her father.
5: Yes. Just want to point <laughs> that it's out. It's a racket. A <laughs> racket, yeah, and again,
3: a racket that I appreciate and am jealous of. Uh, that's
5: fair. This has some history because 55 years ago today, in 1969, Sly and the Family Stone's "Everyday People."
3: I don't know if we have this one as a bump. Maybe we should. Sometimes I'm right. get through that uh, verse there, right? I, I'm Sue is, um, what do you call it when you're kind of like doing air guitar, but you're just doing it with your voice, <laughs> air <laughs> yeah. vocals. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Headset, I'm air Nick.
5: banding at the thing. That's right. This was number one in 1969 on this day in history. I just like the R&B. Someone and someone that's my favorite line though, and Scooby. Scooby Dooby Dooby. 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 Fred, yes. we should record that and have Fred do it. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just a random. A dramatic flaw. reading. Yes, exactly.
3: We used to have Mark close to Rand. Oh, it's hilarious. So I was. I'm not. I don't think I'm spoiling anything here. So I'm just going to go do it. Somebody had asked me a question. I think there was a purpose in asking this question. And again, Fred, act like I didn't ask this question. But does Fred have a favorite song? That was a question oh, that's that a good I was asked. All right. We're doing some awards and stuff. I think they were asking for that, Fred. Oh, right? Oh. But all I could come up with, I it's said,
2: "Bringing sexy back." No, no, oh, no you know we, what? We, that would
3: have been that. it. I said, my my only choice was uh, the Gilligan's Island theme. I don't oh, know. Sorry. Oh, I think that's so a good answer. The follow-up question, I won't say who this was. <clears throat> our boss Steve Moore was. <laughs> Does Fred like music? And I said, well, yes, "Yes, Fred, Fred likes, likes music. music." In fact, sometimes he surprises me because I'll have something as a piece of bumper music, or I'll recommend something. He'll go back, you know, on the weekend yeah. and listen to it, and he likes it quite a bit. So. Um, act Fred. like I didn't tell you any of that. If something happens okay. at the Odyssey <laughs> Awards, okay? Oh my gosh, that's hilarious! By the
5: way, All Fred, right. uh, do you have a favorite band? We know you like Neil Sedaka.
0: Right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right <laughs> now, I think my favorite group is a group called Everything but the Girl. Oh, Everything <laughs> yeah. but the Girl is awesome. Yeah, that's my favorite. right uh, uh, now totally. You know, that band's too. been around for a while. Too. Yeah, you just kind of yeah, get, get a little retro there. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, they've got new stuff. Great. Oh
5: well, thanks for that, Fred. I'll will actually look for that. This past Saturday. The inventor of the Pop-Tarts, Bill Post, passed away. He was 96. Now, the stroke of genius he had with these Pop-Tarts happened in the early 60s. This is an interesting story. I had no idea. Bill was working at Kellogg's, and he comes up with this thing, well, he and the team, and he, they originally called it fruit scones. <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't have quite the, uh, you Funny know. Funny how that would yeah, have resonated, right? Yeah. right? But here's what I thought. I always thought they were called Pop-Tarts because, you know, they pop up Uh out of the- No. The Pop-Tarts was a play on the then-popular pop art movement. Oh, I didn't know that. I Uh had no idea. And Bill was always quick to downplay his role. You know, he'd say things like, I assembled an amazing team and developed it at at Kellogg's, and we found a shelf-stable toaster pastry into a fine product that we could market and all of this. Well, just before Pop-Tarts, the company Post, which is no relation to Bill... Announced something called Country Squares, which eventually became Toast'em Pop-Ups. But Kellogg's Pop-Tarts were similar, but more successful because of the branding and the marketing. I mean, think of all the Pop-Tart stuff you see. Mm -hmm. And that's all the way through today.
0: I can tie it all together. Every day after grade school, I would come home, watch Gilligan's Island at Uh 4.30 on Channel 11, and eat a Pop-Tart.
5: Yes, five days
0: a week... Five I have days a week. Pop-tarts.
5: Oh my gosh! Yep. Ooh, chocolate. One a day. And see, yeah, and it, it was a thing. Do you still eat them? Uh,
3: no. no. No? No? You never buy them? I, I would. Yeah. No. No. no I get them. it. I get yeah. it. So we like, I my daughter doesn't love them, but she's gone through some phases, and then they're hanging around, and then it's like eleven forty-five, and I'm watching Frasier of The West Wing <laughs> these days, and I'm looking at the pop tarts, and the toaster comes out. <laughs> I know. It's a good like night nice I, I snack get though. It.
5: Now, this uh, brings up the fact to me that Jerry Seinfeld has an upcoming movie about the creation of Pop-Tarts. It's going to be out on Netflix. It's called... Wait, Un- that's true? Yeah. Unfrosted, the Pop-Tart Story. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Really? And it'll hit Netflix in May. Um, on Instagram, you know, Jerry put something out about uh, just a kind of a tribute to Bill. But yeah, and here's what I don't know about the movie. I saw... That Melissa McCarthy in it, it's a lot of funny people in it, but I don't know if it's, I, I guess it's funny. I think he just wrote the movie about it, and it's based in the 60s, and he stars in it. Sue's News is brought to you by Mr. Appliance, speedy expert service. If you have an appliance issue, go to MrAppliance.com. And finally in Sue's News, we have today's random fact. Huh, one for Mark, maybe not, Okay. From 1935 to 1937, restaurants in Wisconsin were legally required
3: to serve cheese and butter with every meal.
8: Dun, Wait.
3: <laughs> I, I lived there from 97 to 2008. Uh-huh. I think it was still in effect. <laughs> okay, let me just tell you That's that. That's fair. There you go. There's your random fact. Brad Young is coming up. He's going to break down the Fonnie Willis situation down in Atlanta. It's been explosive and pretty interesting today. But who's gonna win that court battle? We'll talk about it next.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt, Hi-ya! and even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the three percent annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams—thanks for everything, mom and dad—will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed.
4: PenFed's
5: got
1: great rates for everyone. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
7: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
3: Very, very busy afternoon jerry baker from the wall street journal is coming up here in just a bit first our uh, good friend brad young legal analyst with harris Dahl, fisher and young and i know that you're going to talk about Fonnie willis in that testimony but you have a bit of a pop tart story to share first and foremost brad how are you
2: uh, i'm doing great mark yeah i do when i was a kid i took a i took an old uh an old toaster i put two pop tarts in there i duct taped the toaster in the on position. And after it cycled through about five times, the goo inside the Pop-Tart started to boil and it literally, literally created a Pop-Tart flamethrower where the goo would shoot out of the top. Oh, it was amazing. And I must also give this disclaimer, kids do not try yeah, that don't at, try home. at home. I've always thought don't there's something a little off
3: with you, Brad Young, and I think you just confirmed it, but that does sound like a lot of fun. I'm not going to oh, deny it. Oh, it was great.
2: Of course, the toaster was toast. You think? Uh, yeah, and I got in trouble for uh, that I from can my, imagine, my
3: folks, but it was a lot of fun. All right, so you know what else was a lot of fun? Fonnie Willis in court oh. today. Let's play some of it.
1: You and Mr. Wade met in October 2019 at a conference? That is
5: correct. I think in one of your motions, you tried to implicate and I slept with him at that conference, which I find to be extremely offensive. I stayed at that conference. Mr. Wade was my teacher. I did not meet him when he taught the class. I was standing outside talking to Lisa Reeves, who is a judge.
3: And she goes on from there. Look, you could hear the anger in her voice. That's why I played that one. But these um, these attorneys for Donald Trump are trying to draw some correlations between Mr. Wade and Fonny Willis, when that relationship took place, the financial arrangements, etc. But have they put a dent into this? It's been interesting testimony, but you have to prove things in court, and I'm not sure they've done that.
2: You do. And listen, this was a throne chair short of a WWE match. It really was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because the judge had to get involved a lot the judge was doing a great job. I was watching this all afternoon uh, doing a great job I, think but so too. I told Fred
3: I told Sue on both sides I mean he clipped both sides numerous times oh,
2: right he did oh he yeah. did he did he was doing a great job. but listen here's the bottom line legally the Trump team has to show this is you boil it all down this is what it comes to. The Trump team has to show that Fannie Willis was having a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade prior to the appointment of Wade as the special counsel. That's what they have to prove to show a conflict of interest. And here's the way she got out of it is that she talked about, uh, Fannie talked about she has a lot of cash. She would pay everything in cash. Uh, She kept cash around the house. She learned it from her dad, and all the times that she reimbursed Nathan Wade equally before they started having a relationship, it was done in cash. And so that's why there's no receipts. Now, I know that that's going to make a lot of people snicker, and a lot of people say, isn't that convenient? But listen, the standard is the burden of proof is on the Trump team to show there was a conflict here, and I'm not sure they showed it. Because they cannot disprove her. You know, it seems ludicrous.
3: I and mean, she says, well, part of the story might seem okay. Look, my dad taught me you should always have six months of cash in your house. I didn't have Yikes. that much, and she kind of danced around that. But she says, that's why I had the cash. And she's reimbursing him for $1,000, $1,500. She said the least amount in cash was between $500 and 1000 I highly doubt that that happened, but there's no way to disprove
2: that, right? Right. That's the whole trick. When you have a burden of proof, that literally means you have to have proof, not that you suspect, not that you doubt, but that you have proof. And at this point, I just don't see that the Trump team has the proof. So I,
3: I aired some of this in the last hour. Did they wrap with some arguments or is that still on hold at this
2: point? Well, at this point, uh, Fannie's done testifying, and the attorneys are arguing over issues related to production of documents. There's been a motion to quash. It's all that boring legal stuff like I was doing this morning in court where you're arguing over documents, arguing over production, motions, penalties, and those things. But Fannie Wills' part is finished.
3: Okay, but let's go to where she was sort of um, against the grain with some of the other testimony. This all started today with Robin Bryan-Yerty, who is a friend, well, I think it's safe to say a former friend of of Fani they both made that clear and she would stay at this condo i think she lived at this condo complex where Fani Willis was and she said that this relationship began far before that they have admitted publicly so that's her testimony they're trying to you know i guess counter that Fani and Nathan Wade but that's part of the the stakes here as
2: well isn't it Oh, sure. And that goes into the blender of evidence uh, because the the Trump team has the burden of proof. And it's up to the judge here, which which I found to be very fair, even handed. He wasn't showing favoritism to either side. The judge has to decide what evidence that I'm hearing is the most persuasive. And the judge is the person who determines the credibility of this, not the jury, because this is a motion here that the judge has to decide. So the judge is going to look at it. Listen to that testimony and see whether that testimony is more credible than Fannie Willis's testimony that she just kept mountains of cash and paid Nathan Wade uh, in cash for everything. What, what is the let's go back to the specific ask here for the Trump team? They're asking for her to be disqualified, right? Correct. Under a conflict of interest. And if the evidence shows that she appointed Nathan Wade, it was a conflict of interest. They had a relationship. That appointment was improper. Then at that point, the Trump team can exclude Nathan Wade, exclude Fannie Willis here as a conflict of interest and get a new prosecutor. And frankly, that's a brilliant legal strategy, because if you knock out Nathan Wade, then the next prosecutor could be someone. In other words, you got nothing to lose. The next prosecutor isn't going to be any worse for the team and could, in fact, be far better. But if if the Trump team loses this, then,
3: you know, and I think the judge, if you watch this Um, you can understand that there were inabilities to disprove some of the things as we just went over. But if you hear, let's just take all that out of it for people who aren't paying close attention. And all of a sudden the judge rules, they rule in favor of Fonnie Willis and Mr. Wade and not Mr. Trump. There would be, I think, um, a reaction to say, wait, this is, you know, the fix is in, this is all bias. But this is going to be determined based on what was proven in that courtroom, Brad, I guess, is my point. So then what what happens? They move forward. That's a loss for the Trump team, right? Both, yeah, well, both it's, it's realistically not, no, no, no. and the impression that, that it would give.
2: I, well, in the court of public opinion, it may be viewed as a loss. Legally, it would be irrelevant, OK, because things move forward. Yeah, the case moves and forward. Prosecutors move same as prosecutors before. It's no different. Now, listen, I am very adept here at pointing out when judges are biased, like in these cases in New York that Trump is facing, the judges are extremely, extremely biased and one-sided. In this case, I didn't find that to be the situation. I didn't hear anything in there that showed a bias one way or the other. And I don't think that you can just simply label Uh, If a judge decides that there is no conflict of interest, I don't think you can simply label that as a biased judge because I did not perceive that.
3: Yeah. No, I I, I thought he was pretty fair overall. I think he got a little frustrated at times just with (laughs) the tone of the hearing because it was pretty hardcore. It was fascinating. We aired quite a bit of it here on 97.1 FM Talk. All right, Brad, well, thank you for the update. I think um, we'll have to see. And I don't know, is there an expectation on when this is going to be ruled upon?
2: Uh, a judge's discretion. I mean, he could decide today. He could decide next week. It's completely up to him. All right, cool. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Brad Young my pleasure Jerry Baker from the Wall Street Journal
3: is coming up another reminder Fish Fry Fridays tomorrow tomorrow Incarnate Word in Chesterfield come see us why why
8: if you why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet you might be hearing this why a lot why every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours why why, why? because your network gives priority to cell phone users why? why good question why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours okay stop the why's and visit cox.com slash 5g home for details t-mobile prioritizes certain t-mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion
7: nerds today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's smart money podcast ready to level up your financial game let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings money saving travel tips for your next family getaway and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow Nerd NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future You will thank you in 2024. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
4: Hey, uh,
3: he was great when he was with us a couple weeks ago. We're going to visit again with Chris Clem, who is a retired Chief Border Patrol agent, after the top of the hour. And then we rescheduled John Morawski from yesterday on uh, a great topic with medical schools and some of the wokeness out there. He's with Real Clear Investigations. But right now, our good friend from The Wall Street Journal to we'll talk about the border and a few other things, Mr. Jerry Baker. Jerry, how are you this afternoon?
6: Very well, thanks, Mark. How
3: are you? I'm doing well. Let's get right into it here. Let me take you back a week to last Thursday when all the craziness was happening with the Supreme Court hearing. Then, of course, the her special counsel report. The president goes on stage, and there's some questions about that. It was a crazy, crazy day, Jerry.
6: Uh, yeah, you could say that. I mean, I thought the... Um the extraordinary thing of course was that uh we now know or we've been told at least if we can believe what we're told that it was biden himself who wanted to come out and have that press conference on thursday evening to lay to rest uh the suggestion the the absolutely infamous suggestion that he his memory was somehow a problem uh and of course we all watched as he first of all kind of laid into the journalists which um you know itself was a sign of at least of uh, at least of some sort of indiscipline if not to say uh mental decline. But then, of course, remember, the only thing anybody will ever remember about that, uh, that, 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 that evening was his uh, extraordinary uh, inability to distinguish between the presidents of Mexico and Egypt. So, you know, I, I think this, uh, this is the problem. I mean, in an interesting way, Mark, it revealed the problem, which is that the only way to lay to rest the suspicion that 86% of Americans have that this man is mentally unfit for the job is to come out and through some feat of cognitive achievements, demonstrate that he's fit for the job mentally. But, every time, he, but the, every time he does that, he only reinforces the suspicion that people have that he's yeah. not mentally up to the job. It's, uh, you know, he's, they're, they're, they're trapped. And they know that. They know that they, you know, and, and you know, Mark, what I find particularly absurd is we've had a whole slew of stuff in the last week. People telling us, yo, you we should see Biden when, you know, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. private. And, you know, he recites the works of Shakespeare from memory. <laughs> he does, you know, he does integral calculus uh, on, the, on the back of an envelope. He can, you know, he, he bench presses 250 pounds. It's, it's absurd, and, and it makes it worse because it makes people think, uh, we know that's not true. I mean, we know for 100% certainty that's not true. Why are you telling us this? You're telling us this because you're obviously alarmed.
3: Yeah, so just an
6: example of
2: that. Is sharp. He's focused. He's bright. He is sharp
3: intensely probing and detail-oriented and focused.
2: This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. I I could let that play
3: on, but uh, if only they would have coordinated the talking points on that, right, Jerry Baker? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
6: Apparently he's sharp. Uh, and focused um uh, you know it 's funny see what 's interesting again, as you say, mark with the talking points is it's interesting that they didn 't even they couldn 't even come up with any you know they couldn 't go to the thesaurus and come up with some other words for sharp like you know like uh, you know intellectually alert or adept or anything like that. It just had to be sharp and focused look nobody believes it and and that that's that's that 's their problem that the, again the problem is People see the president, they see him perform like that, and they see that press conference last week, or at least they see clips of it on social media or whatever, and they know that this president just does – he's 81 he's, – sorry, he's, he's, he, you know, he's 81 years old. And again, Mark, the, you know, the most disturbing thing – and this is you – know, I ended my column saying this this week – is we're not talking about the president serving out to the end of this term, right, another year, and the country stumbling through with a mentally incompetent president for another year – He's asking us to give him another 4 years, yeah, four five years, years after that right and you know anybody who's seen I've got a very elderly father who thank god is still with us but I've seen his mental decline over the last 5 or 6 years and, and once you you know once you're into that stage of life once you're into that stage of steady cognitive decline it's a sad thing nobody nobody should really be we should be laughing about this it's a sad thing because it's you know it is it is what happens to elderly people but what I'm absolutely certain about is it never gets better, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, I'm afraid to say, on an accelerating timeline. And the idea that in four and a half years' time, Joe Biden is going to be making life and death decisions about the future of this country on everything from national security to immigration to um, you know, maybe Supreme Court justices or whatever like that is just laughable. And everybody knows that, and everybody knows that if that is the case – it won't be him making those decisions. It will be
3: somebody else for him. by the way, my my father is um is eighty one years old. He listens in Chicago and he sent me this text message last week. He said this was on Friday of last week. I think I forgot to mention this. Mark, or whatever your name is, please don't mention me as a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Love Dad or whoever I am. I thought that was a great message. Uh, but well, look he's then very sharp. Yeah, right? well and again, sharp. maybe, maybe it's not sharp, age, sharp right? Sharp and focused. I would say sharp and focus,
6: Mark, but that might be misinterpreted. Yeah, but it's not
3: I think yeah. that goes to the point where it's really age is is part of it, but it's where you are with your mental capacity at age. So then that kind of brings us to this discussion about what happens in this presidential year. And I had Jonathan Martin on the show yesterday. He wrote a piece in Politico really smacking down this thought that anything can be done between now and the convention or even at the convention. Sean Spicer has been yelling at me for months saying there is no other path. It's going to be Biden and Trump. However, the one thing that's changed in the last week is a lot more voices are coming out to encourage this administration to think pretty hard about what they're doing with uh, running this guy, right?
6: No, but I'm with I'm with those guys. uh, uh, Mark, I don't think there's anything they can do about it. I mean, first of all, First of all, you know he's the president. He would have to be. he uh, he'd have to stand down voluntarily unless they're going to get the 25th amendment in vote, and there's no way they're going to do that. The mess that that involves. So he'd have to stand down voluntarily. Um, you know, in favour of either uh, either standing down before the election in favour of uh, Kamala Harris, or saying he's actually not going to be to to, to seek re-election and throwing an open having an open convention. The problem, of course, with that, you know, uh, forgive me for, you know, uh, saying this, um, but again, I wrote this in my column this week. You know, John McCain famously said the only known cure for presidential ambition is embalming fluid. And, you know, again, as as I wrote, unfortunately, we're we're, we're dangerously close to testing that that, that proposition to destruction. Biden's not going to give up. They've got the job. They've got the best job in the world with the Air Force One and everything else. He's not going to give up. So are they going to push him out? I don't don't think there's any way they want to push him out. So, no, I, I think and and by the way one of the many many reasons they won't push him out is the identity of his vice president they know that a if he if he stepped down while he was in office she would take over or b if there were an open convention she would be one of the leading candidates she wouldn't necessarily win but she's one of the leading candidates and they all know she's not up to the she you know she, she doesn't even have mental decline uh, as her descent. <laughs> no, that's... I mean, she, you know, she's never been... She's ne- you know, she's never been capable of being... Pre- I mean, I, I, some of us would argue Joe Biden hasn't really been capable of being president. But look, you know, he, you know, he was at least elected president. They, 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 uh, Kamala Harris is, is incapable of being president, you know, probably from the day she was born. So the idea that, 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 that uh, Democrats are going to happily let her be the candidate, by the way, especially... I think the polling is pretty strong that she would lose to Donald Trump whereas at least Biden, I think, still has a chance of beating Donald Trump for all kinds of reasons. So, no, it's not going to happen. I think we're stuck with Biden.
3: Yeah. Jerry Baker from The Wall Street Journal. Let's talk a little bit about the border. I have, um, I'm going to hook up here in just a few minutes with Alex Gold, who's been a great contributor here uh, on some issues relating to the Chiefs. And unfortunately, we're going to talk to him. He's with a radio station in Kansas City about what happened at the parade yesterday. Now we have some indication, I don't think this is confirmed yet, that maybe you had some of the issues relating to illegal migrants involved in that shooting. Now, I'll hold off on that. But the bottom line is, you wrote about this, and you know there is uh, something manifesting itself in cities across the country that have the overflow of migrants, like in Denver and Chicago and Boston and New York, and a lot of that is not just people sleeping in airports or in cots in gymnasiums. It's crime that's increasing. So th- this is, I don't know where you think, Jerry, you and I have talked about this immigration issue. The administration all of a sudden realizes that, yeah, maybe we should address this, but it's too late, and they come up with this border bill nonsense that I think appropriately was shot down by the, the folks in the House.
6: Yeah, I, mean, I disagree with you. A little. I, again, I, I'm in two minds about that, that Bill. I think on the one hand, it was incredibly, it's an incredible piece of chutzpah for the Democrats to come along and say, you know, three years of having willfully neglected, the, willfully, at best willfully neglected the border. In fact, I think, you know, it's been the policy of this administration and the view of most, unfortunately, most Democrats that we should essentially have open borders. So they've, there they go. They've been doing that for three years, and then suddenly they're all concerned about the border, and it's all the Republicans' fault for not coming up. it. That said... I think that was a that was a reasonable bill wasn't the best bill but you know we're in a world of you know we're in politics is the art of the possible as somebody once said and you and not making you know it's it's important not to make the perfect the enemy the, the the enemy of the good and that was a perfectly good bill which could have at least got things done by all means let's get a stronger bill if Republicans get a bigger majority in uh, in the fall and, and and you get a Republican president absolutely but but all of that whatever you think of that of that this is a massive crisis and I think Uh, By the way, I also don't really agree with impeaching um, uh, uh, a security section in Mayorkas. No, because I don't think – look, I watched carefully some of the debate, and I watched what some of those Republicans said afterwards. Steve Scalise said afterwards. The the reason we did this was to send a signal. Well, you know, the impeachment clause of the Constitution doesn't say anything about sending signals. It's about impeaching someone for high crimes and misdemeanors. What Mayorkas was doing was faithfully executing the policy of this administration – Not which which is a terrible policy, the wrong policy and a dangerous policy, and one that is putting the national security and and the cohesion of this country at tremendous risk. But he was doing that. That's what he was he was executing that policy. I don't think that's an impeachable offense. Anyway, but the more important point is the substantive point that this administration has pursued this policy, which has been incredibly dangerous to the East on a daily basis, exposing the U.S., exposing American individuals to great risk, as we're seeing with some of these crimes going on in some of these cities. But I also think, you know, if I may say this, in a, in a much more worrying and much more alarming way, is actually exposing the whole country to the risk of a really, really serious, violent incident of the sort, you know, that Israel suffered on October the 7th. These are – we cannot – we have no idea how many terrorists, how many people – coming coming from all around the world not just obviously central north and central uh, Middle, uh, central america but from 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 africa and asia and elsewhere who are uh, but doubtless intent on causing real harm to this country and this administration has again at best stood by and let them come in and at worst actually connived in letting them come in so they do absolutely should this is a i think this is the, to be honest with you this is the most important issue facing the country right now and i do think it's an indictment of this administration. And I think that's something that the American people will take very seriously when they vote in November. Look,
3: Jerry, my my eight-year-old daughter, she's about to turn nine. She was watching. I try to insulate her from some of this stuff, but had Fox News on last week. She sees some of the border coverage. She says, Are those people crossing into our country? And I said, Yes. And she was even, you know, you know, horrified by that. On the on the bill, look, my position would be, and I said this last week, I think that thing was demonized more than it should have been because there were some things in a compromise that were certainly worthy. I'm not real crazy about all this stuff getting paid package together and not debating it, which I think was part of the problem for me is that it rolls out and all the language on a Sunday night and nobody really knows all the details. But to your point, since that was not gotten done, they didn't accomplish, you know, now you really are on hold until next year, right? At, at the at the earliest.
6: Yeah. yeah, which means another year of, uh, right. again, of exposing this country to enormous risk. And I'll just say, look on that bill again, we don't we need to go back and forth on this, but I was talking to Democrats who said, you know, that was that was the toughest immigration bill any Democrat has ever signed up for in Congress. They didn't want to do it. Most, you know, most of them didn't want to do it, uh, and they they did go along with it. They went along with it. I think in the end, some of them, knowing Republicans wouldn't, uh, but they did it in part because they, you know, they, they, that was the price they were paying for their support for Ukraine. So, look I, again. I think it was far, far from a perfect bill, but it would have done something at least to ease some of the, uh, at least to close some of the, the enormous gaps that we have at the border. And the failure to get it passed means we will, yeah, we'll have another year in which this country is exposed to incredible danger. And I think, you know, having failed to pass the bill, you know, Democrats want to blame Republicans. I don't think that will work. Uh, I think if, you know, as we see, if we see... Again, God forbid, uh, more incidents of the sort that we've seen, or we, even worse, something like a major terrorist incident, or just generally the level of dissatisfaction that people have with what's going on at the border. I think the rep- people will know where the blame yeah, lies, so too. I think lies the, with, this with this administration.
3: Yeah, best of luck to them trying to cast blame elsewhere. Jerry Baker, always great to have you on. You have a great week, a great weekend. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it. You too. Thanks, mom. I would probably, you know, disagree with Jerry just a little bit, certainly on the quality of the border bill. But I think a better person to ask about that because the, you know, the union that represents the border agents were somewhat supportive of that bill. As I mentioned to Mr. Baker, Chris Clem, who has been retired as a border agent for a while, but he was a border patrol agent and supervisor for 27 plus years. He was a fantastic guest a few weeks back. We have him back right after five o'clock, so we'll talk with Chris and see his, you know, impression of that bill and what happens next. You know, one of the things I want to ask him. I don't if you remember, I, I think I brought this up with uh, with Kilmeade either this week or last week, Sue. Bill Malusian had tweeted out a picture, and I think this was was California. I don't think it was Texas or Arizona, but there was a small hole in, uh, in a border fence, and there were people just streaming through the hole. Now, he had that from like three weeks ago, and then this week, same thing. Oh, hole wasn't plugged. Same hole. So, how does that happen, right? That's that's one of my questions, and we'll get to that. Also, John Moroski this afternoon. John, we canceled yesterday just because everything that was happening in Kansas City. And we still don't have a lot of answers, by the way. We did spend a little time earlier with Alex Gold from Kansas City, who was with uh, 610 Sports Radio. But we're still waiting... On some more answers about the, um, the suspects, how this shooting took place, why it took place, who all was involved. They made three arrests. There was somebody that was uh, one guy, big, big guy that was on the ground. He had handcuffs on and there were some things that went around social media today about whether or not that person was an illegal immigrant, and I don't think that that's been confirmed in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think the guy that was in that picture was someone who was just arrested for being a troublemaker and wasn't involved in the shooting. Uh, bottom line, though, I think more questions and answers out of Kansas City. We'll see if we can get some of those as we head into the 5 o'clock hour. Don't forget Fish Fry Friday tomorrow, Incarnate Word Parish. We start at 3. The fish fry starts officially at 4, but come see us.
7: Get more
2: at 971talk.com.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. hi And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it.